are Right First Grade Parents. Welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids and your host this month. If you've been part of Raise Ready Kids for a while, you may remember an audio briefing called Conversation. We talked about conversation as the foundation of friendship and of a strong parent-child relationship. Conversation with children requires us to make space in our schedule and in our hearts, to listen, really listen to what our children have to say. The Raise Ready Kids conversation strategy helps you foster family conversations that become a kind of home base for your child, a place where they can come back to again and again for companionship, insight, laughter, and wisdom. This month, we're going to build on those ideas with a new Raise Ready Kids strategy called Learning Banter. Our goal is to help you increase the learning value of conversation for your child without losing focus on the relationship value. That's the sweet spot we're looking for. Conversation that helps children develop the knowledge and skills they need to thrive in a knowledge-based economy, while at the same time bringing you closer to your child. The core idea with learning banter is that you frequently talk with your child as you move through the world together, sharing information and stimulating curiosity. I'm talking about casual conversation with lots of verbal back and forth, not instruction. At the same time, you attend to three details that over time will go a long way toward helping your child build foundational knowledge and skills. First, as you talk to your child, you take special care to build new knowledge on the foundation of what they already know. Second, you bring emotion into the equation as you introduce and discuss new information. And third, you intentionally stand alongside your child as a learner, not a teacher, as together you delight in discovering and describing the world. Let's tackle these three elements one at a time, starting with some basic learning science. Imagine the brain is a huge spider web with facts like the intersections or nodes of the web. A spider web is strongest when there are lots of threads radiating out in different directions. Similarly, Understanding the brain grows when there are lots of connections amongst facts and ideas. Just as in a spider web, new bits of knowledge need to be connected to existing bits in order to actually make sense. So, when you introduce new information to your child, think about what your child already knows related to the topic and offer new information in ways that will make it easy for them to attach it to the web of knowledge they already have. In practice, This means that if your child asks you a question, the best initial response may be a question of your own. For example, if your child points to something they don't know, let's say a kiwi, and asks, what's this? You might respond with questions like, hmm, does it look like something you know? Is it hard or squishy? Do you think it grows on a tree? If you end up buying that kiwi and trying it at home, you might ask, What does it taste like? Is it like something you've had before? What do you think it's most similar to? An orange? A banana? How is it the same or different from other food you like? One of the most fundamental insights of learning science is that people understand things better when they are helped to see how that thing is the same or different than things they already know. Knowledge representations are built up through many opportunities for observing similarities and differences across diverse events according to the scientists who wrote the book How People Learn, the Bible of Learning Science. 
The idea of smooth means more when contrasted with rough. The idea of linear makes more sense when contrasted with exponential. To further build that web, casually ask them questions that make them think about and make sense of what they are learning and seeing. For example, what are the differences between oceans and lakes? Why do our bodies need blood? Why might the middle lines on a road be white while the sidelines are yellow? Understanding what your child knows about a topic requires that you listen closely to them before offering a lot of information. Imagine that you're having a conversation with your child about the shape of the earth. You explain to them that the earth is not flat, it's round. And yet children can see with their very own eyes that the earth most certainly is not round, it's flat. Experiments have shown that children have various ways of reconciling information that does not seem to make sense to them, given what they already know to be true. For example, when a child hears that the earth is round, they might imagine a world shaped like a pancake, and they're standing on the flat side. This is, in fact, a perfectly logical way to reconcile the news that the earth is round with their direct experience that the earth seems flat. If you discovered that this was your child's mental model of the earth, you would have a much better chance of helping them build a more accurate mental model. As this story illustrates, new knowledge needs to be reconciled with existing knowledge in order to actually be helpful. Errors in understanding, like the earth is the shape of a pancake, cannot be rectified if they are not brought to light. Emotion is the second ingredient of learning banner, and a brief trip back into learning science will help us understand why. This time, we're going to draw on the research of Mary Helen Imerdino Yang, professor of education, psychology, and neuroscience at the University of Southern California. As Imerdino Yang explains in her book, Emotions, Learning in the Brain, scientists have learned an enormous amount about the relationship between learning and emotion in recent years. A generation ago, most scientists and educators believed that emotions were more likely to interfere with than support learning. But recent research has upended that conclusion. In fact, as Imordino Yang writes, it is literally impossible to build memories, engage complex thoughts, or make meaningful decisions without emotion. Even in academic subjects that are traditionally considered unemotional, like physics and math, deep understanding depends on making emotional connections between concepts. For example, Imordino Yang writes, one study using an fMRI scanner found that when mathematicians see equations that they judge to be beautiful and elegantly formulated instead of ugly and awkwardly formulated, they activate the same sensory emotional brain region that activates during experiences of perceptual beauty, such as when admiring a painting. Instead of saying that emotions get in the way of learning, it's far more accurate to say that we only think well and deeply about things that we care about. This is a hugely important point for us parents to remember. If your child grows up without experiencing much in the way of surprise, disgust, amazement, and delight as they go about the process of learning, they are unlikely to become committed lifelong learners. On the flip side, if they regularly experience surprise, disgust, amazement, delight, and other powerful emotions as they learn, then they are far more likely to fall in love with learning. When that happens, you've laid the foundation for a life in which the urge to learn is so powerful that it will not be denied. First grade parents, 
This is why emotion, any emotion, is an integral part of learning banter. As you spend time with your child, watch for little signs of emotion from them. Amazement, disgust, excitement, intrigue, anything. Build on it. Exploit it. For the sheer joy of it as well as for its learning value. And when you have even just a little bit of an inkling of emotion yourself about something you're talking about, whatever that emotion is, share it. Let your child see your surprise, bafflement, delight, pride, whatever it is you're feeling about what you're learning. All right, this brings us to the third and final characteristic of learning banter. Explore ideas together as equal partners rather than as teacher and student. You want to do this because as your child's parent, you have extraordinary influence as a model as well as a teacher, and you want to use your power to share the pleasure of learning with your child. In addition, you don't want to turn off your child with too much instruction. You're not their teacher at school. In practice, this means showing interest in what your child is interested in, being amazed alongside them, and sharing the pleasure of learning with them. When your child asks you a question about how something works, you might say, let's figure out what's going on here, rather than, let me tell you how this works. The psychologist Alison Gopnik explains how explicit teaching is a double-edged sword when it comes to helping children learn. In her book, she describes an experiment in which adults introduced children to a toy that could do many different things like make a beeping sound, turn on a light, pop out a mirror, and play music. For half the kids, the adult brought the toy into the room and said, oh look, this is a neat toy, and then accidentally bumped the toy so that it made the beeping sound, and then left the children alone with the toy. For the other half of the kids, the adult acted like a teacher. She said, oh, look at my neat toy. Let me show you how it works. And then she taught the children how to activate the beeping sound. Then she also left the children alone with the toy. The children in both groups immediately figured out how to make the beeping sound. But interestingly, most of the children who had seen the adult bump the toy to make it squeak continued to explore how the toy works and discover all the different things it could do, while most of the children who had been taught how to make the beeping sound continued only to use the toy for that purpose ad nauseum. Boring. Of course, this does not mean that you should never teach your child things. Of course you should. But as much as possible, assume the stance of a fellow learner, working together with your child to figure out the world together. One of the best ways to do this is to have your child explain things to you. Professor Gopnik describes another experiment in which four-year-old children were shown a complicated Rube Goldberg contraption, one of those complicated machines with lots of things like gears, levers, strings, and buckets that does a simple task like giving a treat to a dog. The researchers then either asked the children to explain how the machine worked or just asked them to describe the machine. Then they took the whole thing apart and asked the kids to put it back together. Not an easy task. The kids who had been asked to explain how the machine worked did a much better job of putting it back together compared to the kids who were just asked to describe the machine. The act of explaining the machine focused their attention on what really matters, how the machine works. So let's review the road we've traveled today. Learning banter is an approach to conversation that it increases its learning value for children. 
With learning banter, you frequently talk with your child as you move through the world together, paying attention to three things as you do so. First, you take care to help your child build new knowledge on the foundation of what they already know. Second, you bring plenty of emotion into the equation as you introduce and discuss new information. And third, you intentionally stand alongside your child as a fellow learner, not a teacher, as together you delight in discovering and describing the world. Learning banter can happen anywhere, at home, on the street, in the grocery store, in a museum. It can happen anytime, whenever you and your child or someone else triggers a bit of curiosity about something. You facilitate learning banter and make it more valuable by having lots of conversational turns, lots of back and forth dialogue between you and your child. This gives your child more opportunity to integrate new knowledge as they participate in making sense of what you're saying and building new knowledge. Practiced consistently over many years, learning banter will help build your child's knowledge base, vocabulary, and problem-solving skills. Equally important, your child will be internalizing that learning is and should be deeply and pleasurably woven into everyday life. With learning banter as part of the culture of your home, your child will come to understand that life is learning and learning is life. They'll associate the warm feeling of family with the deep satisfaction that comes with constantly growing one's understanding of the world. Mm -hmm.